seven, six, five, four, three, two, and one. People of the world. Hello and welcome to this, the 93rd episode of Marketing as a Foreign Language. I'm your host, Kellen Kautzman. I happen to own an internet marketing company called Send It Rising. Today on the show, an ad attacking Mark Zuckerberg for Facebook's handling of misinformation is slated to run during Wednesday's vice presidential debate. The big tech antitrust report has one big conclusion. Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google are anti-competitive. You can now make Zoom or Microsoft team calls via LinkedIn. How Google's findings on purchase behavior impact the future of content marketing. And how Krispy, excuse me, Krispy Kreme turned the Halloween that wasn't into a marketing opportunity. The show begins right this very second. All right, an ad attacking Mark Zuckerberg for Facebook's handling of misinformation is slated to run during Wednesday's vice presidential debate. All links to all articles are in the description. Uh, if you want to join us for the live show, 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Monday through Friday on YouTube. So this one from Business Insider. An ad slamming Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg is, Zuckerberg is expected to run during Wednesday's uh, presidential debate, vice presidential debate. Uh, the ad run by the group Accountable Tech attacks Zuckerberg for the handling of misinformation on the social media site. The ad, which you can view on this article, this link, features footage of Zuckerberg telling congressional leaders that as Facebook's founder, he ultimately has responsibility for what happens at the company. That's true. Overlaid on top of his words are headlines reporting recent challenges Facebook has faced, such as how to handle the networks of QAnon supporters on its site and how militia groups used the platform ahead of shootings in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The ad ends with a message written across the screen, our democracy is on the line, hold Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg accountable. Facebook, along with Amazon, Apple, and Google, have been under the microscope for a slew of reasons, such as this handling of misinformation and hate on their platforms, user data privacy, election interference, and more. So the summation of this, uh, according to articles I've been reading over the past few months, is uh, that a large quantity of bad content, of hateful content, is being stopped by Facebook. There is a large consortium of folks that don't think it's near enough um, and uh, think that Facebook can obviously improve. Um, Facebook's own representatives say that they have uh, vastly improved the, um, let's say, hackability or the manipulatability um, of their platform from the 2016 uh, debacle with Russia. So they say they've learned a lot. Uh, back to the article, Democrats and Republicans have agreed that big tech needs more regulation and government oversight. Oftentimes I feel like uh, when I watch Zuckerberg testify in Congress, the types of questions that the senators um, and representatives tend to ask him just show that they're out of their depth. Um, I think that some of these algorithms are so complicated 
um, that it takes teams of people to attempt to change them in a way that will have the intended effect, which is to say that machine learning is very difficult to kind of wrap your head around. I was doing a Rubik's. I solved the Rubik's cube for the first time in my life the other day. Yes, I know. You're very proud of me. Uh, my daughter bought it at the store and I thought to myself, you know what? I've never done this. And there's like four algorithms you have to learn to knock out a Rubik's cube. And, you know, my dumb monkey brain attempting to solve this Rubik's cube. I mean, it takes a long time. And uh, it just goes to show that these like trillion Rubik's cube in complexity uh, machine learning algorithms um, are so vastly beyond uh, the scope of any one individual, no matter how brilliant they are. Um, that uh, that's funny. Esther writes, "Bravo! Did it have removable stickers?" No, it did not, Esther. And thank you for that delightful comment. Um, that's what I used to do as a kid. I tried to just remove the stickers. I had a bunch of like ripped off, janky-looking uh, Rubik's cubes. Uh, no, actually solved one. Very proud of myself. Anyway, didn't have YouTube when I was a kid, so still probably couldn't figure it out on my own unless that's all I dedicated my time to for like a week. Anyway, point being uh, that uh, these algorithms for machine learning are so vastly uh, beyond the scale of any single individual um, that, you know, when people say our sender asks Zuckerberg, well, can't you just find it more quickly? You know, it's like asking a surgeon, well, why can't you just remove the cancer? Just remove the cancer. There's cancerous cells and there's non-cancerous cells. Why don't you remove the cancerous ones? It's so simple. Um, it obviously is not. And so, look, before, you know, people jump down my throat and say, yeah, well, how dare you defend Facebook? Um, I think Facebook has a huge uh, maturity leap. I feel like Facebook's going through Facebook puberty right now. Do you understand? I think they're at that age where they had that sort of like naive, youthful, ah, oh, we're making the world a better place, we're connected people, and everyone's happy, and yay, and now we're rich, and I think they had this sort of like incredible youth, you know, and now they're in the trenches of just the reality that, no, you are the establishment now, and you're no longer the cool kid, TikTok's the cool kid, Snapchat's the cool kid, um, and so Facebook is really struggling to kind of deal with the, that burden, um, if you see seen Zuckerberg's Axios interviews, you'll see that he's very good at answering these questions. That's my opinion, obviously. Uh, but I, I'm impressed because he, you know, he could just relinquish Facebook at this point, walk away from it and be done. But uh, that's not who Zuckerberg is. So Democrats and Republicans, back to the uh, uh, article, have agreed that big tech needs more regulation. Okay, we're talking about monopolies. We get it. Facebook did not immediately respond to Business Insider's request for comment, but they are pretty good about responding. So, uh, ad attacking Zuckerberg on tonight's vice presidential debates. Big tech antitrust report has one big conclusion. Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google are anti-competitive. The report scrutinizes the ways the four biggest tech companies have amassed enormous market power. This from Vox.com. A long-awaited report from top Democratic congressional lawmakers about the dominance of the four biggest tech giants had a clear message on Tuesday. Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google engage in a range of anti-competitive behavior, and U.S. antitrust laws need an overhaul to allow for more competition in the U.S. internet economy. Yeah, I would argue that um, good luck taking on Google. And oh yeah, Google YouTube, right? Um, you go ahead and create 
a an infrastructure um, that allows you to have people uh, upload un like just terabytes of uh, video information um, and an advertising uh, megalith arm that just has an incredible like avalanche of money into your pocket constantly because you set up this massive infrastructure and oh yeah, have global brand recognition. It's crazy. It's crazy. And now YouTube has managed uh, to get me to pay them $12 a month because I hate the ads. I don't like the ads. And so yes, I'll pay your $12 per month happily because I don't want to see these dumb ads. Uh, every Oh my, it's gotten so bad. It's like an ad every it feels like every five minutes there's an ad and it's not just one, it's two. Totally takes you out of the moment of the video. Totally irritating. And so, yeah, they win. If they had less ads, I probably wouldn't pay the 12 bucks and just go, ah, whatever. No big deal. Deal with it. But no. But no. So, are they monopolies? Yeah. I think the short answer is yeah, they are. Um, do But they're also gigantic global institutions. So, just because they happen to be currently based in the United States doesn't mean um, that they couldn't move, you know, and it doesn't mean that if we try to break them up, we're not damaging in some regard, the American economy. Um, we want to support these businesses, but we don't want them to be able to run roughshod over, you know, every right that we have and, you know, uh, you know, take jobs and blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. Um, it, is there any sort of real competition to Facebook? Yes. I think you've seen ByteDance, uh, China's uh, owner, owner, the company that owns TikTok, um, really take a huge uh, piece of the demographic moving forward. Um, and, uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook owning Instagram, I guess they're, they're still in that world. So, yeah, it's just a few companies. Not surprising. Same old stuff, right? So back to the article, quote, to put it simply, companies that once were scrappy underdog startups that challenged the status quo have become the kinds of monopolies we last saw in the era of oil barons and the railroad tycoons. That's true. The 400 plus page report written by the majority staff of the Democratic members of the House Judiciary Subcommittee on Antitrust is the result of a 16 month investigation into whether these corporate giants abuse their power and whether the country's antitrust laws need to be reworked to rein them in. What do you think? Um, the report recommends creating new laws that would potentially break up tech companies and make it harder for them to pursue acquisitions. Interesting. So breaking up tech companies, like if Facebook gets broken up, I wonder what it would get broken up into. And this is a whole new territory. I mean, it's one thing to go, okay, railroad company, we're going to just like split your assets in two. That's one thing. Um, how do you break up Facebook? Do you just say, oh, you know, we're going to force you to create different companies for different countries? Would you say that we're going to break apart the different groups, say? It's like you can't, you can't offer XYZ service. You, you take away their messenger capability. I mean, it just seems a lot more challenging to break up Facebook than it does like an oil company. Just seems more difficult. Uh, for now, back to the article, the report's recommendations are only high-level guidance to Congress for potential future legislation. Yeah, exactly. And it won't lead to immediate action against these companies. Um, I don't think you can really fight against Google either, to be honest. Well, that's not that's not fair. You can fight against them. I just, I think with Google, at least, uh, you would have a, a pretty quick, um, 
new leader, right? So if you break up Google, then yeah, people would go to Bing if Google got really nasty. Like the, the search engine world, I think is not, that Google's not doing this magically so much better job that people are um, loyal to Google. They're just used to Google, right? So if Google just became a dumpster fire, then yeah, I think Bing would just take its spot very quickly. If Facebook were broken up and uh, the, the problem there is that people have invested so much time into the platform. I've got so many photos, so many videos, so much, so many connections, um, years and years of history um, invested in that platform. And so if you break that up, it's just irritating. So finally, the release of the report uh, was complicated on Tuesday by news that the Republican lawmakers in the House Antitrust Committee refused at the last minute to sign the report. Blah, 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 politics. So what's going to happen in the future? Your guess is as good as mine. Um, I think that what's more likely to happen than sweeping reform of what these tech giants are able to do is uh, the new kids on the block will simply take up more and more market share, which is to say it'll be TikTok. It'll be, but you know, because Facebook owns Instagram, can you really make the argument that if Instagram keeps growing that, um, that things have changed? No, you cannot. So back to legislation. TechRadar.com, you can now make Zoom or Microsoft team calls via LinkedIn. Zoom pushes ahead as Google Meet brings in restrictions. The battle, the battle for video conferencing supremacy has taken another twist with a number of upgrades and improvements for Zoom, Microsoft Teams, and Google Meet. First up, LinkedIn has revealed an upgrade to its messaging service that will allow members to carry out video calls on the site using Microsoft Teams, Blue Jeans, never heard of it or Zoom, bringing millions more potential users to those platforms. But there's worse news for Google Meet users who will soon be facing restrictions on call lengths for certain editions of the service. Hmm. So LinkedIn calls. Announcement comes as part of a major overhaul for the business-focused social media platform launching alongside the site's first major visual redesign in five years so from the start of october 2020 across mobile and desktop linkedin users will be able to switch their conversations from chat to face-to-face -face directly from linkedin messages to start you'll just need to click on the video icon next to where you type a message this is actually a big deal to me because there are so many people on linkedin that i have as sort of cursory yeah they're kind of in my network kind of not and if i could video call with them right away and say hey and like quick have a conversation with them i might consider doing that um, BNI is a, is a group I've been a part of for quite a while. It's like a networking group. And there are one-to-ones where you sit down and chat with folks. Um, I could definitely see having one-to-ones with marketing professionals on LinkedIn really quickly. Hey, hey, do you have 10 minutes? Do you want to chat? Um, five minutes. It'd be a great way to, um, get that face-to-face -face time. I think LinkedIn is actually, um, a little slow to this, to be honest. It seems like they should have, have launched this a while ago. I understand that the infrastructure is really gnarly. Um, Back to the article, the company had given all users free meetings with no time limit earlier this year as the demand for video conferencing grew in the pandemic. However, from September 30th, users on the Google Meet free plan will be limited to calls of just 60 minutes. I understand why. Google is also removing access to, to some Meet features for G Suite and G Suite for education customers, including the ability to have meetings with up to 250 participants, blah, 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 blah. Um, I would love to have a LinkedIn functionality to, uh, to chat with folks. Um, if people are trying to call me on LinkedIn, I might actually take a couple calls. 
you know, because it's so easy to get out of them. If you're like, hi, and it turns into a sales call, you'd be like, hey, I got to run and you just leave. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. Um, so using LinkedIn as a, as a means to have um, a chance for additional relationships, I think is actually pretty cool. So I would like to see that evolve over time. Uh, the drum.com, how Google's findings on purchase behavior impact the future of content marketing. This one by Asad Khan. Google recently released a research piece that analyzed the purchase behavior of consumers and subsequently discussed the findings regarding the buyer decision process. The article cited a, quote, messy middle, a purchase consideration loop that sits between triggers and purchase, which is where and how consumers explore products on an expansive basis and evaluate on a reductive basis. Yeesh. I will say this. Oh, Richard Fisk uh, writes, it could revolutionize virtual job interviews too. And I would agree with Mr. Fisk. Mr. Fisk MBA coming to us from LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, my uh, wife works in video game recruiting. Um, so she recruits like the engineers and artists and those sort of folks that develop video games. We're actually working for um, that company right now as a client. Uh, Digital Artist Management is their name. And I have learned through her experience on LinkedIn that uh, you can make a living on LinkedIn as it stands today. So if uh, LinkedIn were to offer a robust um, video conferencing platform, I think uh, you would have a lot more spam. Let's be honest. Uh, it would be annoying to have to weed through all the video calls. Um, but when someone sends me some spam on LinkedIn, um, it's pretty obvious to me that it is spam. Um, and I think if LinkedIn opened up something like that, they would obviously need the infrastructure to deal with um, the amount of streaming. Um, I'm currently streaming to my personal LinkedIn uh, as we speak, which is to say that LinkedIn's got the capacity to at least do that, which is uh, interesting. And it will only grow from here. But yes, to Mr. Fisk's point, uh, it would revolutionize virtual job interviews as well. Back to the article, on a fundamental level, this is not new thinking. We know the purchasing funnel is not linear. So let's talk about this for a second. Um, let's say you're gonna hire a plumber. So someone mentions a plumber to you, but you kind of forget their name. So you Google plumber in Las Vegas, you see their name as like the fourth listing and you go, oh yeah, that's right. So you click on them because you have brand name recognition, but uh, you know, it's for a project that you don't have to do right this second. So you kind of forget about it but they put a cookie on your browser. And so now as you browse the internet, you see this plumbing ad a lot um, retargeted to you. Um, and, uh, but you know, whatever time passes and then, you know, you get a busted faucet or whatever in your house and you're like, Oh yeah. Now this time you actually search for them by their brand name, not some plumber Las Vegas. And then you click on the, you don't even click on the website. You just find their phone number, which appears in Google maps and you call so there's no understanding that Google has that you called or not. You just searched for that term and now you're calling, you set up the appointment, they do a great job. You decide to leave a review. Do you see how convoluted and complicated this is? I mean, I could give you 10 other examples. Oh, you, you search for Plumber Las Vegas, you click on the Google ad because they say it's 20% off. You don't purchase right away, but uh, you come back later, you click on the Google ad again, you're served a different number because they have call rail on their website so they can track the phone call that's coming in you call they have a recording of that call so they they internally can track that you came from a from a google ad um you call them but you don't actually schedule appointments so there is no actual revenue so 
It's very crazy. You know, they go to your Facebook page. They don't go to your Facebook page. They go to the social media. They don't. They see a YouTube video of yours or they don't. There's just a million different ways for people to get to your brand, which is why we always, you know, well, we don't always. Many times we suggest, you know, a holistic approach. Um, back to the article. However, I am a fan of how elegantly Google has managed to paint the picture. Oh, geez. Rather than a confusing chart with arrows headed in multiple directions, we are presented with an infinity loop, <laughs> which eventually trails off to a purchase. Consumers going back and forth between different areas of thought processes. The messy middle crystallizes a lot of what we already know in how difficult it is for brands to even try and attempt to manage the decision process for consumers. So here you go. You've got uh, exposure, which is this uh, circle around everything I'm about to describe. There are triggers inside of the exposure, exploration, evaluation, make an infinity loop, and then they spill out into experience and purchase, which to me, this looks more like religion. This looks like a yin-yang sort of like symbolic, you know, crystal yoga type vibe, which I'm totally for, by the way. Don't get don't get me wrong. Um, just funny to me that anything once it uh, gets you try to like break down complicated processes into a nice cute little graphic, um, it tends to start looking like r religious symbols. So this is a challenge that almost all brands face. Digital disruption has brought about so much change that a single consumer journey that encapsulates all users does not exist, obviously, and the industry must adapt. So what is the point here? Um, rather than viewing this change as a mountain to climb, brands should be excited. Now the buying decision process is more of a loop and brands can continually surprise and delight their customers. My takeaway on this thus far is that here I am streaming live um, because I know that this might be one of 14 touch points. Uh, this goes on Facebook, it goes on LinkedIn, it goes on YouTube. Why? Because you might be there at that time. Um, you run Google ads. You run Facebook ads, you run LinkedIn ads. I, I just I just this morning ran the first LinkedIn ad for this show. We're gonna put a hundred bucks towards it just to see what happens. And uh, you know, I'm gonna send it to marketing people. Will they like it? Will they not? Will it be a touch point that will lead them to the YouTube channel for them to hit subscribe? Will they be introduced to the brand and maybe come in? Again, there's a million different ways. Um, but you try, you know, you, you throw it against the wall, you see if it sticks. So research tells us that people are bombarded with 5,000 messages per day. Uh, the attention economy is a huge battleground for all. Brands are treading water just to stay in touch with the continually fragmented media space. Traditional advertising is facing many challenges where audiences can block or skip ads. Cutting through all the noise to be there for the consumer when you need to be is becoming an art form. And I would agree with that entirely. So how does this affect the content strategy? Uh, searching trends and social listening. Interesting. So let's say you want to uh, write an article and you check out Google Trends and you see what people are talking about and you write about that. Factor in how close your content is to either a trigger point or a purchase point, for example, to generate triggers on automotive brands could push content on how environmentally friendly electric cars are or conversely for anyone closer to purchase, personalized content dependent on location should show how abundant charging stations are. So that's good. So uh, you're a Tesla manufacturer or whatever. Uh, you're a car dealership that sells Teslas. 
And uh, yeah, you would write content about the charging stations or did you know you can make it across the continental United States on a Tesla and here's what it looks like or here's how you get to the beach in a Tesla or just a million other ideas that stem from that. Build systems to respond to these queries in real time to ensure that you stay as relevant as possible. So if you are lucky enough to have people actually interacting with you, then yeah, you want to respond to those in real time if at all possible. Keep the audience in your brand's ecosystem. Build content to keep them interested. If they come to your website once because you offer them charging station advice, um, but you can create a map of charging stations uh, where they could come back to your website and use your website as a tool to figure out how to get from point A to point B, well, then that would be an example of keeping them interested and so on and so forth. All right, why don't we talk about how Krispy Kreme turned the Halloween that wasn't into a marketing opportunity. The last article of the day, Donut Chain introduces the notion of reverse trick or treating. Oh, well, I'll tell you what, Adweek in uh, their infinite glory is blocked. And I should be aware of that at this point. Let's summarize. An ad attacking Mark Zuckerberg for Facebook's handling of misinformation is slated to run during Wednesday's vice presidential debate. I hope everyone does watch the debate. If you're watching this after the fact, uh, you know, you'll have uh, probably seen it. But basically, uh, Zuckerberg could quit. He could have billions of dollars um, and just chill out. But uh, he refuses to do that. He pushes forward. Um and uh, could Facebook Facebook be doing a better job? Uh, yes, on some things. And I do argue consistently that it is a pretty amazing platform. Um, will Google, Facebook, Amazon, Apple get broken up? I don't think so, but I do think that they're going to get hit by heavy regulation uh, because you can't. You cannot compete with Amazon nowadays. There's just no way. It's just not going to happen. Um, I think if they slapped enough, um, if they put enough pressure on Google um, and there were enough rules uh, employed, you could say, uh, enforced, um, they could really struggle. Um, so I think Google is probably the shakiest of all of them. Uh, Facebook people have too much time um, invested in the platform. Um, LinkedIn, I'd love to see LinkedIn evolve into more video conferencing and I think we're going to see that happen. And last but not least, uh, Google's finding on purchase behavior impacts the future of content marketing. Um, yeah, turns out that people are stuck in the craziest loop of all time, and you really have no choice but to continue to create quality content in all possible venues. Um, Esther Sass writes, I have to say, KK, you are so very good at the streaming stuff. Thank you. I read that, and it threw me. <laughs> and it made me bad at the streaming. But thank you, Esther Sass. I appreciate you for... Uh, for writing that. Um, that's my own personal uh, problem. Dealing with compliments. Does anyone know how to gracefully accept a compliment? Uh, if you do, please let me know because I'm still working on that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for swinging on by the show today. Very much appreciate you uh, as always. And uh, hopefully we'll see you tomorrow for the next episode. That would be episode 94 of Marketing as a Foreign Language. And uh, we'll see you then.